It's time for Mature Muscle with Lee and Phil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 and Episode 9. Um, we've got a good one today. We're going to have a, a little chat about overtraining, but I'll go into that in a second. Um, how you doing, Phil? I'm doing really well, mate. How are you? How was your trip away? It was great, yeah. So I saw the the, um, the sights of Devon, not all of it, obviously, but yeah, some good bits. And um, we even had a bit of sun, which was good. Mm. So, yeah, I'm feeling, feeling a little bit refreshed, even though um, I was supposed to be in Ibiza for my 50th. Ah. So it's a bit of a... Bit of a downscale from that, but no, nonetheless, good, good little break. Yeah. So um, we've got a little bit of news first, as we like to talk about. So um, I'm going to talk about this cool little news story I saw the other day. So I'm just going to read it out first, then we can have a little chat about it. Um, so a receptor that helps conserve energy when food is scarce may be the key to a safer approach to treating diet-induced obesity, research led by the Garvin Institute of Medical Research has revealed. So um, I'll just go on and read this list a little bit. In a, story, in a study using experimental models and fat tissue biopsies from obese individuals, the team revealed that blocking a specific receptor of the molecule, neutropeptide Y, which helps our body regulate its heat production, could increase fat metabolism and decrease I'm sorry, and prevent weight gain. So what they've basically found is this um, receptor that's that allows the body to burn fat for heat. Um, so you basically turn you go more thermogenic, which I think is really it's a really cool idea. Because what they what they've said is most of the current medications used to treat obesity target the brain to suppress appetite and have severe side effects that limit the use. Uh, our study reveals an alternative approach that targets the fat tissue directly which may potentially be a safer way to treat obesity. So basically the one thing I'm thinking of is that does that mean that the overweight person who's being treated then gets really hot and uncomfortable? Because if thermogenics, we, you, you must have had like thermogenics when you're, when you're, when you're getting hot during, you know, because if you're carrying a lot of muscle, you get hot anyway. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly hot in the summer. Yeah, I'm always, mate. I mean, I wear shorts in the snow, so. Yeah, I'm the same. I have a window open in the winter just trying to keep cool. So that's just me all over. But if you've got someone who's actually getting medication to to switch up their thermogenics, that might be a nightmare. Yeah, and I think, you know, just, if anyone's ever taken any thermogenics, some, some old supplements used to bring up that heat quite well. Oh, um, the old um, caffeine and um, aspirin and, yeah. Yeah, stuff, stuff had the yeah, effigy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that'd be an injury. I mean, that's also, that would be the match because I think people that are overweight tend to already sweat quite a bit as it is. I don't know if that might be a bit of a barrier, but who that's, knows? That's what I'm thinking is that if you're if you're overweight and you're already feeling hot a lot, your last thing you want to take takes a medication that's going to turn your thermostat up a couple of notches. So imagine that, like you work on the tube in, this, in a suit and you're like, already 100 pounds overweight and you're in a, and you've got those that medication. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking. So yeah. I mean, I'll have to keep an eye on that because that looks interesting. But also, they might have to get a, get their way around that, turn you into like, you know, absolute sweat monster. Isn't it going to be a good way of selling a medication to someone? I don't. Yeah, no, that's an that's an interest. That kind of research is interesting because I was reading another when I was looking for my news story. Something there was quite a lot coming. You know, something people don't realize is uh, people that are obese tend to have a lot of there's a lot of things that are wrong, like metabolically and hormonally. Yeah. You know, I don't think it doesn't probably isn't the case if you're 20 pounds overweight, but those people that get to like four, five, six hundred pounds. I think it'd be interesting to see where the science goes helping those people in the next 
10, 15, 20 years. Well, yeah, it's only getting worse as a problem in the, in the well, all yeah. over the world, but especially in the developed countries. Yeah, definitely. That's an interesting one. So what's your story, bud? Right, my one is, I thought one was quite cool. And the headline was, five-minute breathing workout lowers blood pressure as much as exercise and drugs. So this is basically um, taking something known as high-resistance inspiratory muscle strength training, IMST. Um, and this was a study published in the Journal of American Heart Association. Basically, how they describe it is uh, essentially, imagine, it says, imagine sucking hard through a tube that sucks back it's like it's basically you know you used to do like the ask you know the test of the doctors where you blow into a tube yeah yeah like, imagine it being like flow. that yeah. so you basically breathe into a tube that basically gives resistance which means the breathing muscles have to get stronger um okay. apparently it was developed in the 80s um to strengthen people's diaphragms and other breathing muscles um and it's just like a handheld device the cool thing about it is that um you only have to do they started off a thing in the 80s from what i read people were doing like 30 minutes five times a day but they found that you in this study i'm going to talk about they only had to do 30 like breaths six days a week which is right. why in that study that they did 95 percent of the people completed the sessions which in research it's a high amount of people to actually like adhere to it yeah that's pretty cool so these are some of the things that happen so they essentially uh they took um 36 people if i remember rightly from my notes and they essentially had some of them used the breathing tool some of them had a placebo and the ones who actually had the tool saw a uh, a 45 improvement in their ability for their arteries to expand uh, which was from a significant increase in nitric oxide which is one of the molecules that kind of dilates the arteries and yeah. prevents plaque buildup so that's obviously mm. important for blood pressure uh, it reduced markers of inflammation and oxidative uh, stress again obviously those things boost heart attack risk um yeah. and it also showed it showed some small promise to uh, improve fitness for marathon runners where the because the breathing muscles don't get as tired so this well, is something that basically those can't you? Again? Have you seen those things you can buy that that you actually um, put in your mouth and you breathe through? It's like a it's like a resistance, a spring built into it, and you breathe in, and it actually reduces the amount of airflow that you have. So they, they've been selling those for a while. It sounds like it's just more of a hardcore version of that. Yeah, thing. it must be. Yeah. Like, it's not like an altitude like mask. It's no, chew. I mean, I mean, this is actually interesting because my blood pressure, even when I'm lean, it's never high, but it's always and it, one of the. I think the study said that um, those who did that study they dropped about. Um, about six to nine points, I think it said. And mine's always not high, but mine's always essentially a few points up. Um, this yeah. was done in people that were aged 50 to 79 uh, with with normal blood pressure. So it'd be interesting. To, I would be interesting to look more into this. And it said basically um, after six weeks, their blood pressure dipped nine, nine points on average, a reduction that which generally exceeds that achieved by walking 30 minutes, five times a day. Um, and that decline is equal to the effects of some blood pressure lowering um, drugs. Now, also, what was interesting is um, they had a little extra bit. It wasn't a lot of detail, but they said that, so those women listening that are, I think it was it was post-menopause, because of, the, because of the changes in estrogen, exercise doesn't affect, like doesn't improve blood pressure as well as it does men. Oh, interesting. So that means exercise, you know, if you've got high blood pressure and you are post-menopausal and then you can't use exercise, it went on to say this might be a way for women to get the benefits without, to kind of counter that. Um, so, yeah, and I went on to say, I can't remember now because I haven't got it in front of me, but 
one of the labs went on to be given another, I think it said five million pounds or five million dollars to research this. So it must be something they're looking into more. Yeah, it must be something. It's definitely quite interesting. I guess, you know, if anyone said to me, like, you know, breathe into this tube every day and do 30 breaths and it will lower your blood pressure. And in, there was some other stuff that said it's, it was too soon to say, but it might actually help with cogn- uh, cognitive function and brain stuff. Wow. Then, uh, then it might be worth something worth looking into. So that's something to, to uh, maybe delve into a little bit more or just keep your eye on. Yeah, definitely, mate. Nice one. So, um, yeah, as as, um, as I explained, we're going to be looking at uh, overtraining today. So uh, this is a question that came in, actually, from a listener who asked us to do a bit of a dive into it. So we have mentioned overtraining quite a bit here and there, but we've not done a big um, chunk on it. Uh, so we're going to do a whole episode on this because it is, it is a big deal, and there's quite a lot to it, as you'll hopefully um, hear in a bit. Um, so let's kick off with really what it is, because if you don't really know um, what overtraining is, it's a good to go, just to put down some little uh, some little definitions. Basically, it's where you get um, a, decrease, a decrease in your performance. So that can obviously depend on what you're doing. That can be anything. It could be it could be your weight load, or it could, if you're a runner or a cyclist, it could be the amount of force that you can put into a cycle, or a, or you know the, the speed that you can run at. So that covers everything. Um, it also can mean you can plateau in your training. So that just means you don't progress. Um, or, in, you know, in extreme circumstances, you can actually start dropping. So you can get weaker. You can start getting weaker in your performance. So your running cycle performance can actually get worse. Um, the, the other thing that I I, I'm, I don't know whether you've ever felt this. I, if I'm overtraining, I know because I, I struggle to actually finish a workout that I know I should be able to get through. That's that's something that I've I've actually noticed myself, and that's apparently another another quite a big one, a little red flag. That if you can't get through a workout that you normally can cruise through, then you know that something's not right. And, and I don't mean just an odd workout; we all get those. I mean regularly. So like you know, week work, week after week, you're struggling to get through your workouts. That's that's a big sign. So as I said, that's uh, the VO2, um, which is just your aerobic capacity, that can drop as well, um, or just not not improve. Um, and then, as well as not getting through a workout, you can actually feel that your recovery between workouts just isn't doesn't seem to be enough. You just don't feel, you know, like you're ready to go. Um, and this this can be one of two things actually. There's two main types of um, of overtraining, which I. I, until I did a bit of a deep dive into this myself, I didn't pre- I didn't appreciate because there's one that I didn't really know about because it's more related to sports. Um, right. But the first type, anyway, is the more common type. So it's like overtraining syndrome, they call it, where the the, the training intensity or the volume is is too high, and your body can't, you just can't adapt, can't can't recover, can't adapt, so your performance drops. So that's pretty much what I've been talking about. There's also a, a rarer situation where you can actually get addicted to exercise and you do too much because you're addicted. Um, and I think there was like was it Madonna that was to, was was accused of that like and there's been a few other kind of celebs over the years that have been accused of addicted to exercise although I don't know what whether they are or not but um, it's just where you get hooked on the endorphins and the um, the dopamine that you get released during exercise and then the other type this is the one I didn't know about is where if you do the same thing over and over again you don't actually stimulate the central nervous system enough to actually get a response so what I mean is. Say, for example, you're a runner and you just run at the same pace time after time after time, or you're a cyclist who, ty- who, who cycles at the same pace, or if you're a, if you're a weight trainer and you, and you're, or a bodybuilder and you just do the same load for the same reps and the same rest time, et cetera, time after time after time, you basically don't, don't adapt anymore. So that is it's still classed as overtraining because you're overtraining in, in one modality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
So does that kind of strike any uh, chords with you? This was an interesting one because I the question came up the week I had, was doing a deload week myself. And what happened was, obviously, lockdown ended. And what, when did lockdown end now? Seven, eight weeks ago? Is it? So it's a decent amount of time. And obviously, I've been progressing my logbook. And I went in to do my heavy leg session. And I'm still quite way off my my best on the RDLs, but I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm working on my current best and I had to beat six reps and I got three. Right. But I remember I got, so I was working up to two, 210 kilos and I, uh, the warm up set at 180 felt bad. You know, when you do a warm up set. <laughs> yeah. you, yeah. When warm up feels easy. heavy. Yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, there was a point when I was like, I used to be, do, at one point I was doing 20 reps of this way and I've, and I, I just struggled to keep my abs tight. You know, your, your grip was poor. So I dropped yeah. three reps and I went on to that whole session to basically, apart from some calf raises, I basically um, not only didn't match, I didn't, not only did I not do personal best, I actually dropped several reps on every exercise. Yeah. Session. So that was a good timing. So that's one of the things that uh, some of the symptoms you're getting, you hit the nail on the head with like, you will lose motivation. Sometimes yeah. you have appetite problems. A, a common one actually, especially probably, she's probably due to the central nervous system is you'll get, you can get like sleep issues. Yeah, like you can get, and then I had which I didn't have. You get you know niggles, and you just feel like you're always sore. And I think the obvious one is you go into the gym and you and you and everything feels heavy, and you just think to yourself, "That was rubbish." Yeah, yeah. And that for me well, is, and that is actually where I said it in the in the group. People always talk about overtraining. Overtraining is actually something that goes after when you beyond where you go from overreaching. People don't talk about overreaching very often, and I didn't really look, come across that term till maybe five or six years ago. I can't remember when I read about it, but it, overreaching is where it's like, so, sometimes overreaching is a good thing. It's like where you go, you know, you, you've dug a hole and you're just beyond your capabilities. Yeah. But if you don't yeah. recover enough, so as a, as a definition I've seen is if you are just overreaching, then you should be able to recover within two to three weeks. And it was a Lyle McDonald article I read. Uh, he didn't provide the study, but he talked about um, some, I can't remember the sport, but it was where they did some testing in, some people are truly overtrained and it took some, some people like three to six months to get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's I've kind of a little bit of difference, but really you, you kind of, you are, I, I just, you kind of talk about the same thing. It's essentially it's a point where you are, you've overdone it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's quite interesting is what happens inside the body. Cause um, you know, you think, well, what overtrained, but what does that mean in terms of, in, you know, internal biology? So I, I was, um, I mean, I knew I knew some basics about muscle trauma and things like that. So basically, there's a, there's three. You could you could be suffering from one or three of these, uh, or all three, as I said. So you can have micro trauma, which is where your muscles actually get broken down by training, um, and they don't they they don't heal fast enough before your next workout, and then get torn down again. So if you imagine like a scab basically on your arm, and before it's healed, you've scratched it off again. So then it has to try to reheal again. And then before it's healed, you scratched it off again. So it never quite quite recovers. Whereas if you leave it long enough, the, the scab will fall off on its own and you'll be skin underneath. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's one way of looking at it. The other one is um, actually something we've covered quite a lot, which is insufficient protein in your diet. And by that, I mean specifically like the amino acid side of it. So you've got not got enough uh, protein there to actually rebuild the tissue that that needs to be rebuilt from the microtrauma. So if you're if you've got a crap diet and you're eating junk, and you're not getting you know, like 30 grams of protein a day or something, then your body's just not going to have enough to actually get the, the healing done. And um, the third one, which is the more interesting one, you know, the, for those out there who've listened to our podcast about long COVID, this um, strikes a chord with that because, well, the other, the other thing they might say, they say it might be involved is um, 
is where you'll get systemic inflammation. So where your body is, is just hyperinflamed. And by that, I mean, um, I don't mean you're, you know, you're swollen. I mean, the whole body is, is, is um, having an immune response to something. And that response can be from stress, basically, from overtraining. So if you're overtraining, your body can almost have a, an immune response to that. So then your, immunity, your immune system goes haywire and starts to um, attack anything. So you get this inflamed kind of awful situation where you, you have all the, the symptoms of, of chronic inflammation, but you know it, it's then causing the, the overtraining. So it's kind of a, almost feedback loop there. Yeah, I'll get out of. So that's that sounds pretty nasty. I mean, that sounds like a pretty extreme case, but um, yeah, I mean, it, I imagine it can happen, you know, fairly easy, especially with sports people who, who are really on the on the razor's edge of training and recovery. You know, yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, something to consider. Um, yeah. I feel like you. I always I said to say this kind of jokingly, but there will be people that probably there will be people listening that don't will probably won't ever get there because they don't train hard enough i'd like to think those listening to our podcast will yeah um, but if you're just going to the gym a couple of times of the week and just hitting the weights never really failing you know not really dieting hard then you might never experience it to be honest yeah yeah so that's something to be to be aware of. but the the, oh, the question was from yeah, actually a guy he's talked to you quite a lot before i left reading it he was he's he used to do a lot of weight training and cycling. Now he's running, and I think he was doing quite a lot, right? He's doing like lifting four or five days a week, running. He's added it all in, but and he said, "What he what he said? He's, he got to the point where he's, his performances were down, and he, I think he said he just didn't want to go and do it." Yeah, yeah, if I remember rightly. Well, that's 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 it. exactly. If we talk, if we go back over some of those symptoms you've kind of already mentioned, but if we look at the physical symptoms first. The, um, there's obviously persistent muscle soreness. That's obviously, you know, like DOMS, but but hardcore DOMS. I mean, like real soreness, just aching joints, aching muscles. Yeah, it's not the same. It's like you feel old. Yeah, exactly. You just feel you feel battered, don't you? Yeah, you don't. You know when you just get to that point where your whole body aches. It's not even. It's not even like oh, my chest is sore in a good way. It's like, like everything's sore, and even your joints is a good one to mention as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a point when you're like, and it just feels like a chore. And, yeah, and like you said earlier, the fatigue, you know, even after eight hours sleep, good sleep, you're just fatigued and you've got like an elevated heart rate, even at rest. So if you're just resting, your heart rate is already up. And we've already um, mentioned this before, but reduced HRV, there's a heart rate variability. We might do a podcast about this, actually, because heart rate variability is actually a really interesting one to do. Um, and that's where you get you get more irregular. Um, the, the time between your heartbeats is more irregular. Um, if you're if you're exercised, if you're sorry, if you're recovered well, weirdly, if it, I, I believe I believe this is right. In case I've got it the wrong around, but I'm pretty sure this is right. So if you're if you've got a really um, even re- break and rest time between each beat of your heart, that's a sign of being overtrained, which is which is kind of counterintuitive. You'd think it'd be the other way around, but I believe I'm right. Um, and then you've also got you. I don't know about you. But, you know if you start getting colds and like viruses yeah you wouldn't normally you know that your system's a little bit buggered so yeah that's a good one to know yeah if you start picking up bugs and you start feeling running out, yeah everything's going stuff like that yeah yeah that's right um so those are the, some of the symptoms that might sound familiar obviously you know we talked about the fatigue just and and then if we look at the mental um you know symptoms as well because they're just as, as bad if not worse in a way because you know, you can get that irritability. You just get, you just can't be asked. Everything annoys you. Uh, you get a bit of depression. You feel down, and I've definitely had that after. If I'm if I'm overtrained, I know, and and then that can lead to like a bit of a mental breakdown. Never got quite that bad for me, but you can see how it could. 
And then, you know, you, if you if you don't correct that at that stage, then you're going to end up uh, proper burnout, full burnout, where you're physically and mentally exhausted. So, yeah. I mean, hopefully you'd be able to spot these things before that happens. But, you know, again, if you're an, if you're a competitive athlete, that might not be the case. You might just try and push through it and think you're going to get better. But then, you know, that, that's probably worse. when you're most susceptible. If you play sports that you have to commit to, like, it's exactly. like, you know, like that's the problem. If you've got like if you were overtrained, like, it probably wouldn't happen at a high level of football, for example. But if you're a low level, you know, you get that point where, especially if you are, you know, not professional. So one of the things that will help will make this worse is if you're training hard, under eating, and you have a stressful life elsewhere, job, relationships, money, whatever it is, and you don't, you know, if all those things add up. Yeah. And then, but you, then you, but you then, the problem is one of the things that uh, the the guy who wrote the question said is is that he, he didn't really want to back off because he was, he's been using sport for his mental health. Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of this thing of like, I don't want to have a break. I don't want to back off because I benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things I'm going to come on to in a bit, actually, about that. But um, there's one thing I wanted to mention, because since we're on um, overtraining, something that it's um, used to be an issue with um, what I used to do. Those who, who know me know I used to run a couple of CrossFit gyms um, going back a few years now. But um, one of the things we had to put, it was a contractual obligation from CrossFit. We we got an email from head office in, in America about it, where we had to put a legal disclaimer in um, about rhabdo, rhabdomyolysis, yeah. um, which is basically, if you don't know what it is, it's it's like an extreme type of overtraining where um, it normally used to happen with people who don't really, have never really pushed themselves very hard. And then they come in and they do a CrossFit workout, which absolutely destroys them. And I mean that almost, almost literally it destroys them because um, you can have all sorts of effects. If, if it's bad enough, you can get like um, a dark, brown urine which um actually is, is, a, is a sign that your kidneys are about to fail so get and what happens is basically your muscle breaks down to a point where it leaks fluid into your bloodstream and then all of that hitting your bloodstream at the same time basically can cause kidney failure so um i don't want to worry anybody about this because it's really rare um and it's also very unlikely but it has been known a couple of people have died from it um so just you know if you've never done anything before um, don't go, you know, full tilt into a workout, in, you know, and write yourself off because it's easily done. It used to happen in CrossFit a few times. People used to go off and throw up or, you know, they just you know, hit, a, hit a bit of a whitey and end up leaning against the wall for 20 minutes. Yeah. So it's just, just to be a bit careful, that's all. Just common sense. Um, yeah, it's very unusual, but I thought I'd mention it because it's quite an interesting one. Um, and then going on to... If we've if we've looked at the symptoms and everything else, how, how it affects your body, just what do you do about it? I mean, so that's that's the next thing, really, is how you combat it. If you can spot it, so if if we've mentioned there some of the things to watch out for, the symptoms, then if you if you think you might be overtrained, what do you do? Well, you mentioned there about um, you know the the person not wanting to have time off from what they're doing. So if they, let's say they are a cyclist or or a, or a runner. And they don't want to stop doing that. Well, you can you can do active recovery. And what I mean by that is a, a day of active recovery. So, just doing something that you'd normally do, but or, like different, for example. So, you, say if you're a runner, you might just do some cycling, or if you're a cyclist, just go for a long walk, um, or if you're a swimmer, you know, just go for a, just do something different from the swim. Just just doing something different without actually doing a full rest day. So rather than just putting your feet up, you're actually doing something, but it's an active recovery. You call it so. Um, you know, but it would be low intensity. So you wouldn't go from maybe being a marathon runner or an endurance, super endurance runner to doing, um, you know, a 
a 60 mile bike ride and I don't mean that I mean you actually go for a nice easy bike ride something that's going to allow you to recover but it's different from what you'd normally be doing that's the that's the crucial point there um and if you're say you're a weights athlete a good one we used to do this quite regularly at my gym was just everyone who was training with us would do a deload week um and people sometimes didn't want to do it they'd be like oh, I'm you know I'm really on the top of my game here but no I want you to have a week off you know just train light you're just going to train light for a week or two and um, they'd come back and, and inevitably everyone would feel so much better for it. So sometimes people don't want to be told to do a deload week, but it is actually a really good thing to put into your programming. Um, and then there's a couple more. That I'm, and then I'll get your input, mate, on this because it's periodization is something I, I do a lot of, but that, again, can stop overtraining in its tracks because, you know, you might do two months, eight weeks, say, of heavy, and then you'll drop right back to moderate, light, moderate for another, you know, eight weeks. So that kind of that kind of periodization plan can actually stop overtraining happening at all. Um, if you're if you're timing your workouts like that, or you're periodizing your workouts, the intensity of your workouts. And another good one we all love is go and, go and get yourself a nice deep tissue sports massage. Let someone just pound you for a bit and get you know release it and have a rest. Um, and then there's obvious stuff like reducing your volume and intensity. Um, we've talked about that quite a lot. We did a whole podcast about volume and intensity and periodization, et cetera. So that's a good one to look back on. Um, and then do you do any SMR? Do you do, do you do self-myofascial release? Do you do a foam roller? Do you, any, do you do any of that? I am qualified to do the instrument assisted soft tissue massage, you know, the Graston tool. Oh. So I just sit do you there do it my, yourself though? Yeah, so I just sit there on the, the I've been doing it this week, sitting there on doing my quads and my glutes and stuff. Rolling. Yeah. Rolling. So yeah, I'm I mean I should it's funny because you should, I should do it more often. But um yeah, i I do that now and again. I was thinking about getting a foam roller as well. Um yeah, I've got a couple. I, I've got one at the gym and I've got one here, and I, I'll try and do it twice a week. Normally on my ITB because I, I see the iliotibial band down your leg, because I know that my knees get a little bit tight if I don't. Um and the other thing you could do just to just to knock the old overtrain on the head is just switch some body weight stuff for a while. So like hit style stuff, but no weight. Just um, you know, go a bit higher intensity, but have you know longer breast breaks between the workouts. So you might do like a I don't know like an eight minute um, hit class or a, or a hit workout, and then take a good breather, and then do some stretching. And, and um, talk about stretching the old yoga, Pilates, mindfulness side of it as well if you remember our doctor um Ravindran he um talked a lot about trying to get the body to relax force it to relax and um and step out of that kind of heightened um you know reaction where your body's just constantly going haywire just by by doing some yoga pilates mindfulness and um something i tried a little while ago i think i might mentioned it is a, a float a flotation Oh, yeah. um in, in a float tank yeah i did that and it felt great i loved it for, came out feeling really good and refreshed so that's another good one so again to to knock the old overtrain on the head so what would you go for mate what would be your your method method of choice just to kind of get out of that um i think the first line of defense like a lot of things we talk about is to avoid it yeah absolutely like, don't get to the point where you need to take four or five days off and you run yourself into the ground, which is hard, you know, something, you know, that is hard sometimes because, you know, like you said, that guy who said, you know, once you're on a good run, sometimes you don't want to back off. But if you can avoid that and you can, again, go back to kind of, you can be overreach versus overtrained. If you can get to the point where you're just starting to kind of get the symptoms, then 
Um, I'll talk about what I do in my program because I follow that because I follow fortitude training. It's been written by um, somebody very smart. The way we do it is um, it's done intuitively as well. So there's no like there's no set week for the deload. It's just when you need it. Right. So that's something first you have to do is you have to, I guess, be good at listening to your body. Two things. And that's why we know we've talked about this a million times on this podcast, but, you know, logging or almost journaling like your weights and reps and just keeping an eye on how you feel. Because that was the same as me when I went into the gym last week. I knew I had to do six reps. I'd done that exercise. I was progressing and then I got three. Instantly, I'm like, okay, that's a that's a bad. And that wasn't just I hadn't had like a, hadn't had like a bad night's sleep. I felt quite good. And then the whole session was bad. So that's a lot. So make, if you log it, you can at least kind of maybe avoid getting that far into it. So we yeah. thought you training, we do it intuitively in terms of like, listen, by just looking at training performance and looking at those other symptoms, if it comes along or if or not, if really when, um, the way we do it is, you know, obviously I'm doing, um, they're the variables we can change off from, and I'm kind of talking from a muscle building kind of resistance training Fre- frequency. You know, I train all muscle groups three times a week, so legs three times a week, back three times a week. I can yeah. drop that frequency down to one or two. Yeah. Um, Scott lays it out in volume tiers. So vol- uh, tier one, tier two, tier three, that to put it simply might be one set of squat, two set of squat, three sets of squat. So each tier has more volume. So you right. drop down to a lower volume. So you've already dropped down frequency. So let's just take legs. Legs go from two, um, legs go from three times a week to two. They go from 10 sets to five. Um, and then we on that week that I deload, I don't do any of the heavy loading. So none of the six to 12 reps. And I don't even do any of the high rep stuff. It's just muscle rounds. And in the muscle rounds, um, even though you're doing six uh, sets of four, you only fail once. So basically, there's less failure points, as he refers them to. So there's not, they're not as demanding on the central nervous system. So if I go in and do two leg muscle rounds, I'm, the weight is lighter. I'm doing, I'm still doing quite a good volume and he still wants the, funny enough, he still wants the intensity to be there. So those sets are still hard. Like I'm still failing them, but I'm not actually like, I'm not doing anything heavy. So that's kind of the variables I'll, I'll reduce a uh, fewer, uh, reduce the frequency, reduce the volume. And if you're getting stuff like joint pain, the last thing you want to be doing on a deload week is like squatting reps of six, seven, eight, right? It's too yeah, heavy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I do from a resistance training point of view. And the, like, as Lyle talked about, I've been reading about this lately because since that question came up and I wanted to refresh my memory with resistance training, it's sometimes a bit easier because you're not doing something so repetitive. Like although you're doing legs, it might be one week's a squat. The next week's an RDL. The next week is a, a leg press. Those listening to this who would do sport, you know, running is just running. Yeah, your idea was good. You know, you might not want to have a break from running. You might want to not want to have a time off. But I would probably say, yeah, you're right. A good idea would be to say, I'm going to go and cycle or swim, something yeah. different. So you're doing something different, and that's how I do it. I basically, um, I just back off. Yeah, I just yeah. take. I make sure I do a little bit less. I don't work as hard, and I um, normally end that with uh, how I did last because I did. Um, I trained Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then I took the whole weekend off. Excellent. Yeah. And then on obviously the end of the week had, a, and then I, then, then there's the question of like, I, I added a bit more, it's hard because I, this is one of the things that I really struggled with is I wanted to still make progress on my diet. But I was like, well, if you're backing off from the weight training, is it, it's also probably a smart idea to also have a bit more food to facilitate that recovery. Yeah. I reluctantly ate a little bit more. So it was a, it was a, you know, I didn't, a lot, I didn't gain or lose any weight last week, but you know, that was, it's one step back, isn't it? Yeah. And that's yeah. how I do it. Um, if I was playing sports, I would probably, if I was, if I was the guy that asked the question, I was running, I would probably not run for the week. Or if I was going to do it, it'd be far. It wouldn't be like 
an hour running, it would probably be five, 10 minutes. And then I would probably just supplement the rest with something like cycling. I wouldn't probably yeah. work to high intensity. I wouldn't do any sprint training. I would do more stretching and I would take some more rest days. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I've recently been training this triathlete and um, he's really pleased actually because he's just won his first triathlete triathlon um, since we was, we did some work on his strength and conditioning. So he, he smashed a couple of his tests and then just um, won a local triathlon. He's been trying to win for ages, so he was delighted. But the reason I bring that up is because he is um, he's a good example of a, triath- of a triathlete who they rarely suffer from overtraining because they're doing such a variety of things. You know, they're doing, they're doing some strength and conditioning. They're doing, they're doing some long swims, but they're also doing, you know, some long bike rides and some long runs. So their, their, their body's being pushed and pulled around and from different directions. So they also tend to follow programs better, which have the exactly. programs into them. It's not like, just no, going to say that he's definitely got a, a, a periodized plan to follow. Yeah, He's following a better plan. He's, he's, he's more, he's, he's smarter with his training. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the average gym goer is like, oh, I want to lose weight, get strong. And they just go hard. Yeah. Like every session, like revving the car constantly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. CrossFit's a good example of that as well, because having been in that world for a while, um, it's all about just coming in, destroying every workout. I mean, we, yeah. we, used to, we used to just try not to allow that mentality, but it's really hard to get to knock that mentality out people. So often, you know, if, if you don't know what, what um, how CrossFit works is, normally when you come in, you do a, a single workout of the day, everyone does it. And then normally you'd put your time or your score up relative to, to everyone else. And of course that breeds that kind of competitive must must score on the board um, kind of mentality. And so we, to combat that in the end, we used to just not let people mark up but that that killed that silliness where people would just come in and destroy themselves just to put be you know in the top five on the board or or you know whatever or to beat their mate or because there's a time where that's great to to have that kind of competitive um side it's good to a point but then it when it gets to a certain point this used to happen a lot with crossfit is people get into that and they get so into it then they do more and they go harder and they and they they lose all sense of proportion so every workout comes in, it needs to be an absolute, like, you know, flat on your back, done kind of workout. Yeah. And that's, and you can do that for a while, but then what happens is, you know, the wheels fall off the wagon and you get overtrained and then you get injured and then people, people vanish. So we used to be really hard on, on that, just not letting people do that. And unfortunately, not a lot of CrossFit's have got that outlook. It's just, you see it all the time. It's like, go heavy or go home. It's like, I'll oh, piss off. You know, like, on, man, it's funny. Away. Yeah. You know what? Too many people are, and I had this quite a lot on like some of the social networks I post on. There's too many people that are just scared to take a fucking day off. Yeah. And I used to do six days a week in the gym. I used to do push, pull legs, push, pull legs. Um, and I used to, I wrote that myself and every session had drop sets. And I'm looking back here, I don't know how I survived it. So when I went over to fortitude training, which was four days, I remember looking at it and going, am I going to be bored? Am I going to not want to, am I going to want to do more? And I don't know what it is. I, as much as I love training, I am at this point now in my life where I don't want to be in the fucking gym. For more than an hour and a half, I don't want to be there. So if I, I've been considering going to dog crap training because it's a it's a three day program, and it's like I don't know, understand these people that want to be in the gym seven days a week. Like, I think it, yeah, you have to be a certain individual for that kind of thing. I mean, it, you know, be really hungry for it, and really, I mean, maybe maybe it's a young man's game, a young person's game, I should say. Um, I don't know, maybe it might just be an eagerness thing, though, mate. Like you know, somebody somebody listening now is. Um, overweight and they get into it and they're like they you know what it's like it's like it becomes a new obsession which in some respects yeah. is good but it, it goes over the line yeah no you're right you're right yeah yeah definitely 
Um, it's it's just it's just trying to keep a sense of proportion, isn't it? You know, it's like what's a, what's a good thing? Where it, too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. You know, it's an old-fashioned statement, but it, it's true. You know, if if you're doing you're doing really well on three times a week, you think, well, I'll do four then. Yeah. And then you you start doing better. You think, great. Well, I'll do five. And then the next minute, oh, my shoulder hurts. Okay, fuck it. I'll just carry on. You know. And then you and then your other shoulder hurts. Then your knees start to hurt. And you're thinking, what's going on? I'll just I'll just train harder. You know, that this whole macho mentality about, as I said, you know, a t-shirt that says some stupid slogan about there was there was one bodybuilder and it really annoyed me because he, he, i'm not going to say his name because i actually know him and he'd be pissed <laughs> off he, he put on his instagram about uh oh my my body's held together with um with scar tissue and you know if you don't leave your soul in the gym then you haven't had a workout and i was i was like oh mate fucking wind it in <laughs> yeah that is kind of like macho like it's like the ultimate oh, in macho like if you haven't destroyed yourself in the gym then you haven't had a proper workout like yeah i never understood that mentality of going into the gym and I, I i can't like it at the end like you know going back to you said about you know this is where uh sometimes you're pro you can pro, like you say i think you mentioned doing it at the end if you're at the end of a phase let's say let's say for argument's sake i'm going to do an eight-week block yeah, and I know for a fact it's not always as predictable. But I know week nine is my deload. Then it, it, it's the overreaching for a week is sometimes a good thing. You, uh, sometimes I do like like so. Yesterday, just fancy doing like an extra couple of drop sets on my legs, but it's like one set. I never understand these people that want to do it all the time. Yeah, but and I don't understand how these people don't um, realize how detrimental it is to progress. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People doing, I've seen people doing powerlifting, all sorts, like trying to test their one rep max weekly and stuff. I'm like, that's why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Or once, once every three months or something. Mm. Yeah, that's no, good. That's good. I think we've covered quite quite a lot of that there. So hopefully that's helped you out. If um, Andy, if you um, if hopefully you got something out of that, mate. So, um, yeah, all good. Hope so. Yeah, that was a good. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a, it's an important topic for those who. Go past the beginner phase where no one, you know, you, you don't work that hard, and you know, but then you get into it, and suddenly you're like, "Right, I want to go mad!" Like you love it, you start to really enjoy it. There is that temptation to go, to go hard or go home. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do need to rein it in and be like, I know, I hate to be cliche, but you do need to learn to train smarter. Yeah. Well, um, bear in mind, though, even though it's not solely for, but we are catering for those, you know, 40, 40 50, 60 people, you, you know, more, more mature crowd so again it's even more important um because you're much more likely to get um overtrained as you get a bit older yeah, your recovery is not going to be as good in your home exactly yeah when you're 20 you can get away with it for longer yeah, that's right you can throw all sorts of things at your body in your 20s yeah. and then you do that 45 50 55 you know your body's going to go uh no no i'm not doing that so, yeah, definitely that's yeah, good cool. let's one thing I want to say, everyone, get your widow makers in. I know I haven't done mine yet, but keep your eyes open. And I, mine's going to be hitting the end of this week. So I'm, I've got got it planned. Yeah, I had to do two. Did you? Well, the reason I didn't post the first one, if I'm honest, is the, the combination of my camera angle and my tight shorts made it a bit... X-rated? Yeah, a little bit. And I thought, should I just put an emoji over it? I thought, no. Then I also, then also I only got to... I, I went a bit heavy and I, only, I went to 17 reps and I was... I wish I'd have, even I was on a Smith, I did it on a Smith machine. I, I, I actually think some, in some respects it's worse because you're so fixed in the position. Yeah. You but didn't have a lycra on, did you? No, but the, I wore God. pretty tight, like jogging shorts and I had them rolled up because they're, they're tight. So they, you know, your thighs don't move. And you don't, I don't want to, the amount of shorts where my ass has come out where I've ripped shorts in the past. Yeah. And then I went, I watched it back and I was like, nah, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> 
So then I thought, then I was like that combined with only you know I although it was a good it was a good set that 17 reps was fucking horrible I still said to myself well, that's not really the point of it you're meant to get to 20 so I redid that's why I redid that 20 and posted it so yeah everyone should do it um if you don't want to do it like I said don't do if you don't don't, don't, don't want to do it on a squat try on a leg press I'd yeah like to, I wouldn't I actually wouldn't advise you do on a squat straight off anyways yeah that's... leg press or even a, I, I just to, to lower the barrier barrier just you know a leg extension for example because I know yeah, that it can be, be anything nasty. be anything Anything, anything that pushes you to ten reps, and then you go that extra, extra ten. That's what we want to see: is that you're you're pushing that body. I know we've been just t- talking about overtraining and then making people do this shit. Yeah, but this is a, let's just say this is a one-off thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be, yeah, that's the point. Like, I won't be doing them now till like till someone else challenges me to do it in ten years or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've done two now. I'm done. Yeah, it's good. Oh. Get them, get them. And also, that was obviously, that this whole episode was from a question. Post questions. I'm, I'm, I would be baffled. I'd be surprised if anyone doesn't have in this in that whole Facebook group doesn't have a question. <laughs> like, the, yeah. yeah, we also had a question which um, I don't know whether people are interested in this. I, I was going to see what you thought of it. Someone asked me, sent me a message, and asked me about um, superfoods, um, and more obviously more into the nutrition side of it. Um, so, so I don't know whether there's a full episode in that, but yeah, we can cover um, it. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we we've have touched on it, of course, with our with our posts about um, sorry, our episodes before about nutrition. But um, it is an interesting subject because there's a lot of bullshit around it. Yeah, I was going to say the, the whole episode was just me be me saying there's no food, superfood. <laughs> there is no such thing as a superfood. <laughs> but no, no, there, we could talk about foods that are you know we could like pick out the foods that are better and talk about why if people have like you know yeah efficiencies and stuff. That's that was not a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. And then just just the, the, the normal thing at the end, guys, please um, share this, um, comment on it, you know, just spread the word. That would be great. And um, I think we're, we're all done there, mate. Excellent. That's a good one. Cheers, guys. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of Mature Muscle, please subscribe and find us on most social media. Until next time, stay shredded.